This is Central Carolina Journal, a program that highlights events, programs, and slices of life happening throughout our community. I'm Bryson Lyons. Thanks for joining us. The cost of education after high school has been increasing at such a rate over the last several years that the cost of education has become prohibitive for many. Many times, students have to make a tough decision, whether to forego the pursuit of attending college or sign up for student loans that can weigh heavy on a student after they graduate. One program that helps to alleviate the costs of a college education is Central Carolina Promise K-14. Those that graduate from high school in Chatham, Lee, or Harnett County may be eligible for up to two years of free in-state tuition and required fees at Central Carolina Community College. Mary Schmid Carter, the College Access Coordinator for CCCC, came to our studio to talk with Fred Brucker about why this program exists and how aspiring students can take advantage of K-14. So Mary, in your position where you're going out and you're promoting Central Carolina Promise and K-14, I have to ask this first question. Why is there such an emphasis on offering college courses to high school students? I understand the idea of preparing them for college after graduation, but why get them started so early? There are a lot of reasons for that, and there's a lot of data, and I am quite frankly, just not going to bore you to death with numbers specifically. Um, But there is a lot of emphasis and a lot of research that shows that students that are able to tackle college courses during high school are then more prepared later on. We have, you're looking at higher GPAs, higher completion rates down the road. um, And it, you know, it does go back to that age old correlation versus causation issue. And I won't say necessarily that taking college classes in high school causes all those good things later on, but it does, there is a correlation there and it makes the students more likely to perform better after they finish high school. Um, I think it can be a great confidence builder, especially if you've got students who are perhaps first generation and do not have a family member that has been to college and don't know a lot about the process. It, it really can kind of help them feel better about what their plans are and go, oh, I, I can do this and I can be successful in, in a college level course. Um, so there, there are many, many reasons for that, but North Carolina is really leading the way in, in how we have our dual enrollment set up with our high school students. So it's really a very special place to be. Well, I hadn't even thought about the fact that it can be a confidence booster, you know, taking college classes while in high school. Um, and not to mention some of the other benefits that we'll get into as we go through mm-hmm. the course of the conversation. Uh, one thing, though, there may be a little bit of confusion, and maybe we need to share a little bit of a distinction here. There's two different programs that are labeled CCP by the acronym experts. There's Career and College Promise, and then there's Central Carolina Promise. Can we make a distinction between those two programs? I would love to. I I spend a lot of time trying to do that in my daily life. Um, So Career and College Promise is a statewide program that's actually managed out of the North Carolina Community College System office in Raleigh. Um, So all 58 community colleges participate in Career and College Promise. That is the opportunity for high school students to take their free classes during college. That has now been around for a little over a decade, I think it was January of 2012, that they rolled out Career and College Promise. Um, It replaced what was formerly Huskins. So that is like pretty well established, very accessible across the state for students. 
Now, our Central Carolina Promise is local to us. There are several community colleges who have individually chosen to offer some type of promise or guarantee program, um, but it is not managed at the state level. It is not all 58 community colleges. That is something that we have um, chosen to offer to our students. So that basically gives after high school graduation an opportunity for the students to get another two years for free. So the two are very closely related. Students have to complete the career and college promise classes during high school in order to qualify for Central Carolina Promise after high school. Um, but they're, they are different. And a lot of times with Central Carolina Promise, I do try to refer to it as K-14 because you're talking about trying to take students from kindergarten essentially through the 14th grade, which would be like an associate degree level. Um, so sometimes I'll tack that on and call it Promise K-14 to try to differentiate from CCP in high school. Okay, so the two programs are closely related. You have to be in one in order to go to the other. So high school students that are listening need to take note of this. Yes, absolutely. Um, and we're very lucky here at CCCC that we have some of our staff are pretty much embedded in all of our local high schools. So if we do have students that are listening that are interested in this, they just need to talk to us with the guidance department or the counseling office in their high school. Um, and there should be a CCCC representative that is assigned to their high school. A lot of times, they're there 40 hours a week um, and that person could help them get started during that time as a high school student. Um, our most ideal population right now would probably be current 10th graders because most of the students qualify for their junior and senior year to take those classes. Okay, so you make a really good point there that we have a lot of staff members from the college at our area high schools and to be able to contact one of them to get more information on things, that that's an important distinction because uh, that assumes that those that we're reaching out to live somewhere within our three-county service area mm -hmm. and, and that is a qualifier, correct? So for career and college promise during high school, students can actually enroll with any community college. Um, we always like to say that we try to play nice in the sandbox with other community colleges. So we don't actively go into Raleigh, for example, and, and recruit in Wake Tech's area. Mm -hmm. um, but if a student were to reach out from a different area, we will work with them. And we do have a CCP advisor that's assigned for students in public schools outside the service area. Um, and then I actually work with our homeschool families. So most of them do reside within CCCC's area of Chatham, Harnett, and Lee. But I do occasionally have students from Alamance or Randolph or Cumberland County that come and choose to do CCP, Career and College Promise, during high school. After they graduate, if you're talking Promise K-14, they do have to be a resident of Chatham, Harnett, or Lee. They don't have to have attended a high school within that three-county area, but they have to be a taxpaying resident because the funding for that program to make it free for our students, um, that is provided very generously from our county commissioners. And so at that point, the student's residence, the place that they physically live, that does come into play for the classes after they graduate from high school. And I think it's a good point that you make as well. Yes, it's it's those three counties that we serve for K-14, but that they don't necessarily have to attend one of the area public high schools. They just have to be a county resident. Correct. correct. Yep. And most of them come from those public high schools. Um, but every once in a while, you'll have a student who lived in Harnett County, but had a parent who taught in Johnston County. So they went to high school out there. But they that residence piece it really becomes key once they graduate. Okay, great. Uh, are there any other requirements that uh, we need to consider? Things like GPA, course load, anything else that uh, students may need to consider uh, 
if they're looking into this program? So there are a couple things. Um, a lot of this information is going to be outlined on our website, um, and we'll we'll talk more about that I think before we wrap up. But you know, if folks are listening, don't feel like you have to have a pen and pencil out and be trying to take notes. This is all available on our website. Um, but we do look at things like the number of courses. So we mentioned that they have to have those career and college promise courses during high school. We are going to be looking for either four classes or 12 credit hours. So our math and science classes are typically more credit heavy. So that might only be three classes because they're four credits each. Um, It could also be only 10 credit hours if they take three traditional classes and then like ACA. Um, So as long as they meet one of those two criteria, they're good to go. There is also a checklist that we help them complete. They'll reapply to the college, which is a little confusing because some of the high school students say, well, I'm already a student. I'm already taking classes. Why am I going to reapply to the college? And the way that I try to explain it is when they graduate from high school, they're account with us essentially sort of deactivates and like goes to sleep for a little bit. Um, And so when they reapply to come back in the fall as a college freshman, that's how we sort of reactivate, reawaken that account and get it up and running again. Um, All students in the state, if they're attending a community college or one of the UNC schools has to complete their uh, residency determination. So that's something that we're looking for as well. They do have to um, apply for their FAFSA and we might get a little bit more into the funding later on here. So there is sort of a checklist, but you know, my role is to walk students through it. If they reach out and say, hey, I'm trying to do this piece and I'm stuck I will help them and connect them to the right website or other resources, whatever they need, um, so they don't feel like they have to navigate like this really long list by themselves. Okay, so I guess the short answer then is going back to what you said earlier, to get in contact with one of those CCCC advisors for someone that's interested in the program, and ideally you high school sophomores out there need to especially be paying attention to this. Yes. Yep. And those requirements that, that I was just talking about, the application residency are for that K-14 piece. Um, if they're doing central, or see, I do it too. <laughs> if they're doing career and college promise, there are some GPA requirements. Anyone can participate. There just are certain things that are limited to students with a particular GPA. That's all. So okay. if there's a student who's interested, we want to find a way to get them involved. And yes, their advisor can help them do that. Okay. So, I mean, this sounds really great on the surface and the opportunities that are available, uh, you know, I mean, I wish I had this when I was preparing for college. Uh, But here's the thing that I'm really, really looking at. This is really free. It, it She's is shaking her head. Really folks. free. It, I know you can't see that right on, on radio. How, um, <laughs> how is this possible? So, Career and College Promise is funded through the state. Um, there, I, I don't know who managed to make that happen, and it, and it is something that is looked at continually by the state board and, and all the parties that are involved in that. So we are we're having to make sure that we are being effective, right? We don't want to just keep throwing money at something if it's not producing good results. So the fact that the program has existed now for a decade should give people confidence that there's a lot of buy-in for this. And we are effectively, there is data that shows all the good work we're doing because otherwise they would not keep funding free classes for all these high school students. So that is taken care of at the state level for Central Carolina Promise, K-14, as we talked about, that is funded for, you know, by our county commissioners. And that really came out of a desire to reinvest in our young people and, and spur economic growth and development. 
um, our, you know, the powers that be in each county said, we, we want to help these students. We think it's a good investment for us. We think it's a good investment for them. Um, I was not personally part of those conversations, but I sure am grateful <laughs> that they happened. Um, and again, I think that we are demonstrating you know, we're being good stewards of that investment. So the students in K-14, again, they have higher GPAs, they're more likely to finish. Um, it is money very well spent, absolutely. Um, those funds from each county cover the in-state tuition rate. Now, every once in a while we have a student that for whatever reason is charged an out-of-state rate, they're determined to be out-of-state. I don't have any say in that. CCCC does not have any say in that, unfortunately. And in that case, we will pay the in-state rate and that student would be responsible for the difference. So that's very rare. It does happen occasionally, but it is still a savings for them. Um, and then we do pay any required student fees. The only thing that I cannot provide funding for are textbooks. So that is the one cost that a student might incur um, or any books required for their classes. Okay. so. Once someone uh, enrolls into the program, they're registered as K-14 and they've got all that in place. Uh, are there any conditions for them to remain in the program? That's a great question. So we do look at their satisfactory academic progress, their SAP. Um, they do have to be in good standing with SAP. So it, it it's not always tied specifically to a GPA, there's a couple different factors that go into that, but we look at that each semester. Um, we also require that they, the sec so it's a two-year window from the time they graduate high school. They have fall, spring, and summer of that first year after they graduate, and then fall and spring. So it's five total semesters. And in order to qualify for that second fall and spring, they'll redo their FAFSA and their scholarship application. So part of what makes this work and, and to make it economical, we are a last dollar program. So if a student qualifies for Pell funds or other scholarships or grants or anything like that, those funds will be used first. And then K-14 would come in if they don't completely cover that in-state bill, essentially. Um, so students who were, who have the highest need absolutely definitely will be covered either way. Um, but every student who qualifies for the program will at least get what they need for tuition. Um, so lots of lots of savings for them. Absolutely. Okay. So something that you uh, said that I want to chime in on in case I missed how you said it. Uh, it sounds like there's a little bit of a time clock here that once a student graduates senior of high school, you know, it's probably not a good idea to take the year off and, and then jump in on this because it's two years from the date of high school graduation. Is that correct? That is correct. And it, the way that I try to explain it to students is that that clock starts ticking when they finish high school. Um, we have made some changes over the years. And so if, if students know somebody that, that was in the program two or three years ago, the, the, we have tried to make the rules make sense for students. And there was a point in time that they had to enroll immediately. If you didn't graduate in June and start in August, you were not eligible for the program. Um, our fantastic leader, Dr. Chapman, our college president, um, really felt strongly that that was a barrier for students. There's there's a lot of reasons they might not come to school right away. So they no longer have to start immediately after graduating from high school, but they do only still have that two-year window. So if you do want to take your gap year and go backpacking through Europe, um, A, take me with you. <laughs> B, <laughs> you can do that. Just know that when you come back, you can't make up that time on the back end. Mm -hmm. So our 
seniors right now that'll be 23 graduates um, they will have through the spring of 2025 to participate and it will be up to them exactly how many semesters they choose to take advantage of okay so it sounds like we've pretty much covered what's expected of the student and the timeline expectations for doing certain things at certain points what about expectations that the student uh, himself or herself can have uh, in terms of what are all the programs of the college available? Are there certain things that they may or may not experience as part of the college experience? So, I mean, one of the success stories, you know, something that's a plus is, again, the students that are participating in K-14 have done those career and college promise classes in high school. So there's a lot about the experience that is not new to them. Um, we, for the most part, don't have a whole lot of restrictions on the types of classes that they choose. Um, but what I am looking for is to make sure that the classes they're taking are counting towards whatever program they say they're in. So if you, if in the system, the computer tells me that you're a welding student, but you're trying to take a nursing class, I'm going to go, hmm, nursing doesn't seem to be something that's going to help you finish a welding degree. And so I would reach out to the student and say, have you changed tracks and the system just doesn't know that yet? Like, let's try to figure that out. So as long as the classes that they're taking match the program that they say they're working toward, then we'll get those covered. Um, we even will cover certain continuing education or workforce development courses. Um, it does have to be something that is specifically leading towards something that's gonna help make them employable. So an industry credential. Um, I have a lot of CNA, that nurse aid one and two, um, phlebotomy, I think there's like an intro to sonography course, so a lot in the allied health professions, but there are other, other areas that we would cover as well. If you're doing, gee, I wanna learn how to cook better at home, that's not necessarily an employable skill, um, but if it's something that, again, points to an industry credential, we wanna help them with that. Okay, so one of the things that you mentioned there and I think is important uh, to lay out is that uh, here in the CCCC ecosystem, the way that students get guided through their academic career is through the use of advisors. And many times that is a faculty member mm -hmm. within the department that they're, um, that they're, the program that they're pursuing. But uh, there are advisors that are specific to, and uh, can in particular help out those that are going through this program. Is that mm -hmm. correct? So, really the students in the program have lots of resources available as they make that transition from their high school senior year to their college freshman year they they are hopefully having conversations with the CCP advisor at the high school um, they're probably touching base with one of our education navigators who are folks that sort of catch them on the front end coming in you mentioned that academic advisor that probably lives within their program their major um, and and I don't consider myself to be an academic advisor for these students, but I am an additional resource for them, again, to reach out and say, did you realize that this class you've signed up for isn't going to help you? And usually when I, try, I, I send a lot of emails, because I like for students to be able to refer back to them and see what's in writing, and I will usually CC that academic advisor as well to sort of prompt a conversation. So sometimes a student goes, oh gosh, I didn't realize that that would not help me. Thank you, let's switch it, let's find something else that will help. Or sometimes they'll say, well, gee, I, I think I have an interest in, you know, a, a potential side hustle someday. And I'll say, great, we just need to give you a second major so that you're officially on two tracks or whatever have you. So 
a lot of the academic advising piece, I, I try to steer clear of those faculty folks are experts in their area, um, but I do kind of try to help make sure that the student just is maintaining that forward momentum that they need. But the big thing that we're seeing here is that a student that is going through this process is not going to be alone to try to just figure out. Oh, things absolutely on their not. Own. No, they'll they'll probably get tired of hearing from all of us. If anything, yes, they've they've got lots and lots of people looking out for them, supporting them. You know, we want our students to be successful, and we want to provide any resources or support that they need. So. So this may be a related question. Uh, we could have pretty much already covered it, but what about a student that is considering taking advantage of the program, but they haven't been able to answer the question, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up? Same. Yep. I tell them that all the time. <laughs> I, you know, as old as I am, I, I still, things can change. Um I think a lot of that goes back to those advising conversations that we're having with students. I know that as a college, we're trying to be really intentional in the way that we talk to students about their plans. Um, I know that for my caseload specifically, again, I have the homeschool, high school students. So in that sense of my job, I am the academic advisor mm -hmm. for those 10th and 11th, or excuse me, 11th and 12th grade homeschool students. Um, and if a student says, I, I really don't know what I want to do, I'll say, okay. On the one hand, let's try to keep you in sort of gen ed transfer classes, do some English and math, because no matter where you go, you'll need certain types of classes in any major. But then I'll say, you know, what's something you're considering? And so if they go, well, you know, I really like animals. I'll say, okay, let's explore some of the vet med classes. Um, do it for one semester, see how you like it. And if you love it, we'll double down and do some more classes like that. If you go, eh, this isn't really what I want then let's look at something else. So I think especially when they're in the career in College Promise during high school, they have an opportunity to do a little bit of exploration. Um, we still want to be intentional. We don't want them totally ping-ponging all over the place and doing a whole bunch of different things. Mm -hmm. But they are allowed to have, and again, they're 15, 16, 17 at that point. Um, so they don't always know what they want to do. Um, so that's okay. And we can work with that. The nice thing about between CCP and K-14 is even if most of our students, if they start with free classes in high school, are more than likely going to finish a two-year degree then within two years of graduating high school after. Um, but if not, we can still get them a long way towards that. So even if you're somebody that has changed your mind several times and has switched majors and has had to backtrack a little bit, we are still in the long run making that more economical and saving you money. Um, if I have a student who really super particularly says, I am going to NC State, I am doing chemical engineering, I say, great, we're going to start there and we're going to build backwards and figure out how to get you from point A to point B, you know, with the shortest time and energy involved. But if not, and they say, gee, I, I really just don't know, we can work with that too. Absolutely, yes. All right, so let's take a look now at timelines. We mm -hmm. kind of mentioned it and sprinkled here and there throughout the process, but who should start thinking about jumping on to this program if they're interested and what do they need to do and by when? So if we're talking career and college promise, if you're current, not senior, like if you're a sophomore or junior now and you're interested in taking college classes next year, get in touch with a CCP advisor at your school. If you don't know who that person is, we'll share my contact information, I'm sure, when we wrap up today. And you can always reach out to me and I'm happy to connect you. Um, but students in their senior year really want to start thinking about that K-14 program. We typically open our 
interest form. We don't want to call it an application because they also have an admissions application and we're trying to differentiate a little bit. But our interest form for the program typically opens every year on October 1st. And that specifically is done to coincide with the FAFSA. So parents, if you're listening and you've got a senior, no matter where they're thinking of going to college, please, please, please do the FAFSA. You have no idea how many folks don't do it and essentially leave money on the table. No, the FAFSA, the free application for Federal student, student aid. aid. You got it. Yep. Yes. Um, and, and I've had families who say, you know, we, we don't think we'll qualify. We think we make too much money. We're just not going to bother. And I said, no, 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 no. Always do it because they're like K-14. We require that for our students. And there are many scholarship programs as well that require that a student has at least completed the FAFSA. Whether or not you qualify does not matter but you have to show that you made the attempt basically. Um, so our, you know, end of September for that October 1st kickoff is, is really when we're kind of starting things off. And then if folks do get on our website and look at that checklist that we've got laid out, most of our stuff is due in order for them to qualify throughout the summer. So we have a couple, what we call priority deadlines in July. Um, we say priority deadline because there really is no cutoff. Um, we are currently recording the end of March of 2023, and I have 22 high school graduates that I am still working with okay. that have not turned stuff in. Um, so until they hit the end of that two-year window, you know, we're, we're pretty flexible. But if they want to have everything in place and ready to go to start classes in August, then they want to have everything turned into me roughly mid-July. Okay. Any consequences if a student were to withdraw from a class or not complete the class in a satisfactory manner? So that does happen if it's something that's kind of a one-off every once in a while. And I, I do get a lot of questions. Um, I'm grateful that when academic advisors are talking to my K-14 students, they'll usually say, touch base with Mary, make sure this is okay. And it, in the short term, it's not a problem. Really what can become concerning is if they're withdrawing from multiple classes over multiple semesters. That then starts to affect that satisfactory academic progress, um, but it's not something that would be a major change overnight. And we would probably have some conversations along the way to make sure that they're not getting too far off track. All right. Yes. Well, as we finish things up, let's let's end on a positive note. Any particular stories or memories of experiences of students that have come through the program that really stand out to you that, you know, perhaps would be a poster child for everything that we've talked about today? <laughs> um, I, you know, it's funny because we do have sort of an exit survey that we have students complete a lot. Of, I, I ask them to complete as they're aging out of the program. It, it's optional. It's hit or miss whether or not they do it. But it's really nice to read. You know, you'll have a student that will say, I didn't think I'd be able to go to college. And I would not have been able to do it without this program because it would have cost money for myself and my family. Um, I don't know what I would have done had I not had the, you know, this funding available. So that always, you know, kind of tugs at your heartstrings and makes you feel like you're you're doing something good. Um, and and some of the success stories, you know, I said when you have a student who really took advantage of career and college promise during high school, so they they have to have the minimum of four classes. But sometimes you've got students coming in with. 16 or 20 credit hours. I have homeschool students sometimes that are almost done with a two-year degree. No I mean, it, it, mm -hmm. they can really do a lot during high school. So to have those two additional years afterwards, they might go ahead and complete a second associate degree. Um, and there's usually some overlap. Like I have a student right now who's doing an associate in science, also his associate in applied science for welding. Um, and so because he's doing the classes through high school, when he finishes, he'll be far enough along in both those tracks to finish two two-year degrees 
in only two years. That, that, that's a lot of twos. Um, <laughs> but it's just a way for them to get ahead and kind of open some extra doors that they may not have had um, had they not taken advantage during high school of career and college promise. So it, I think it goes back to that confidence builder that like once you get started, that momentum really carries you forward. Central Carolina Promise K-14 is open to eligible students that live in Chatham, Lee, and Harnett counties. The time to start thinking about participating in the program is while still in high school. Tenth graders should pay special attention and start looking at opportunities now. If you're a high schooler in a public school in Chatham, Lee, or Harnett County, there is a Central Carolina Community College advisor at your high school, and they can help you with the first steps. Information is also available by phone at 919-718-7542 or by email at promisek14 at cccc.edu. There's also a website where all the steps are listed. That's at www.cccc.edu slash promise. That's going to do it for this edition of Central Carolina Journal. To hear past episodes, visit www.883wuaw.com slash ccj or search WUAW on your favorite podcast app. If you want to listen to this episode again, simply search for episode 2308. And if you have an idea for a future episode, Give us a call at 910-814-8830 or email us at wuaw at cccc.edu. Central Carolina Journal is a public affairs presentation of Central Carolina Community College and its radio stations 90.5 WDCC and 88.3 WUAW. I'm Bryson Lyons. Thanks for listening.